Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. look at that man the year really flies by when it's just an awful time welcome in everybody happy to have you though (laughs) regardless this is the believe in jayhawks basketball show on the believe podcast network yes we're talking jayhawks basketball kansas coming off of a week where they didn't do anything happy finals week to all those students but last time we spoke, it was on the precipice of taking on the Missouri Tigers. A lot happened in that game. Most of it positive, all of it positive for the Jayhawks. And we are sledding right on in to the end of this end of the season, end of the year, end of the calendar year. 2021. We hardly knew ye. I mean, kind of. Year really just raced on by. Uh, anywho, didn't the Summer Olympics happen this year? Yeah, they did. In Tokyo, right? God, that feels like ages ago. Jonas Nordman here. Life passing your ho- your good old-fashioned host by in the blink of an eye. And if you want to catch me on the socials, just tell me how much I'm missing. Jonasty90 on Twitter. JonasN310 on Instagram. And here's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to give you the perfect role for Jalen Wilson and what he should be aspiring to basketball-wise. Going to give you a quick little look at this weekend's opponent, tomorrow's opponent, Stephen F. and Austin, as well as, I don't know, I'm going to do a little bit of rankings panic. A little bit, not too much. I think it's, it's kind of weird out there. I'm not really sure what the agenda is for the voters at the moment, but... I just, I just feel like Kansas is really being punished for their one loss to a team that since that victory over KU has really taken off. No pun intended about the Flyers. Anyways, Believe and Jayhawks basketball show on the Believe Podcast Network, your number one podcast network for professionals. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Here's what I believe. Um, if you haven't gotten your gifts yet for that special someone, might as well get out there, make it happen, or just click on Amazon. Right? It's the way of the world. Did a little shopping myself. Where did I go? Went to Sephora. Awful place. Came back smelling like a lady of the night establishment, if you will. <laughs> uh, what else is there going on? Uh, congratulations to all of you for making it through the year one way or another. Mostly congratulations to you, Mariah Carey, as all of us, especially some of you out there, and you know who you are, are really paying for her gifts right now because all she wants for Christmas is you to keep playing her song over and over and over. Oh, the diva. She'll never stop. But let's get right into it. Speaking of establishments, I want to quickly talk about 
Lamar Odom. What? Didn't you say this was a Believe in Jayhawks basketball show? It sure is. Didn't Lamar Odom go to Rhode Island? You betcha. Go Rams. That's some good A-10 action. Are this, is the A-10 still around? I need to check into that. If they are, then that's, that's the conference that Dayton's in. So I want to talk about Lamar Odom. Where does Lamar Odom come into play with this iteration of the Kansas Jayhawks? Well, I just said about five minutes ago, right? I've got it. I've thought of the perfect scenario for Jalen Wilson. Now, what do Jalen Wilson and what do Lamar Odom have in common other than at the moment, kind of iffy criminal records, much different situation. Lamar Odom had a heart attack, I guess, while being face down in a pile, in a pile of nose powder in a Las Vegas harem. If I remember correctly, right? Jalen Wilson, a dubious decision, a really bad decision, of course, right before the season started. But we're going to stick to the basketball court. Also, as far as I know, Jalen Wilson, no relationships with a Kardashian or Jenner, but you never know. I feel confident saying that. So where does this all tie in? Well, I want to take you back all the way back, if you can believe it, to 2009 through 2011. Specifically, the 2011 NBA season. Lamar Odom, power forward, sixth man of the year. Yes, Lamar Odom came off the bench, averaged 14 points per game, essentially nine rebounds per game, close to a double-double for a guy who wasn't starting. And I'm actually looking at a list of all the six men of the year in history. And especially in recent years, like you're looking at the likes of guys like Jamal Crawford, the greatest six man out there, Lou Williams, Lemon Pepper Lou, Jordan Clarkson last season, uh, Jamal Crawford, I said that, Jason Terry, Manu Ginobili, J.R. Smith won it in 2013. The scoring averages are all up there. Until you go down, you go down, there's the 14.4 for Lamar Odom. It wasn't his scoring prowess that made him the sixth man of the year. All of these names, essentially, Lou Williams, Eric Gordon, Jamal Crawford, right? J.R. Smith, James Harden won the award in 2012. These are essentially guns for hire. You arrest someone, here comes a high-volume shooter that can really keep the second unit moving. You're not losing any scoring. That's obviously not why Lamar Odom won that award. 14 points per game off the bench is obviously nothing to sneeze at. But it was his all-around game. And keep in mind, this was 2011, and I swear I'm not just bringing up the Lakers because I'm from Southern California, although, although am I? No, there's a, there's a point to this. I'm not first take. I'm not um, undisputed on FS1 where I'm just going to bring up the, the Lakers for ratings purposes. That doesn't work for a Jayhawk show. Quite the opposite. But it was the role that Odom had. Remember, former top, top pick. This was a guy who's supposed to be the future of the Clippers. Traded to the Lakers in the Shaquille O'Neal deal. It's like, all right, this guy's got potential, but 
never really made it happen. And all of a sudden, two-time champion, sixth man of the year, seemed to have his life turned around after a really couple bad episodes before, again, he got hooked up with the Kardashian and went off the rails. But I bring up the points per game and the lower than normal for players in that role. Because in 2011, the idea of a point forward, the idea of positionless basketball hadn't really come around yet, right? Like, obviously, in 2011, LeBron was a thing. But he wasn't a point forward. Uh, 2011 was his first year with the Heat, if I'm not mistaken. And his point guard was Mario Chalmers. Somewhat of the primary ball handler. Yes, LeBron took a lot of the responsibility, but they had a true point guard out there. That obviously has completely shifted here in 2021. And the idea of a big man grabbing a rebound and going the length of the court is not that wild anymore, right? But then it was Lamar Odom able to hold his own defensively as a power forward, collect a rebound, and initiate the offense at 6'11", 6'10", 6'11", and it was crazy. I'm not saying he started the trend, but we were starting to see, if you know the picture of the caveman and evolution, which we've all seen at some point, regardless of how you think, That was the point where the monkey was starting to transform into the human and was upright, correct? (laughs) That That was the middle period of evolution of the point forward, of positionless basketball. Because it was collector rebound. With those long strides, he was amazingly fast, could handle the ball, and was initiating and starting fast breaks. Which brings me to Jalen Wilson. Again, believe it or not. Because Jalen Wilson has obviously not played his best basketball this season. Far from it. In fact, he hasn't played good basketball since the first two or three weeks of last season. But there is one thing that's abundantly clear when he's on the court this season for Kansas. The team speeds up. And I'm not saying this in a bad way, like, oh, the team was sped up. Like, this is a bad situation. But the go-go Jayhawks really get going when Jalen Wilson is playing. He plays that stretch four. I mean, heck, he's usually in there alongside Mitch Lightfoot, so he's the biggest guy on the team on the floor. He will either grab that rebound, he will get the outlet, and Bill Self has said he might be the fastest with the ball on our team. The team really gets going when Jalen Wilson's on the floor. That's Bill Self saying that. So a lot of the consternation, especially when Wilson came back, and this point might be a little bit moot. I might be about two to three weeks late to the party to make this point, but the Mizzou game kind of took over last week. But that's Jalen Wilson's role. He needs to be the 2010, the 2011 Lamar Odom for this Jayhawks team. Same, similar build, if you will. Lamar a little longer. Obviously, he's a smidge taller, true power forward. But at that size and his ability to get the ball down the court and theoretically to create, the question I don't think anymore is if slash when Jalen Wilson gets it going, who's he going to replace in the starting lineup? I think it's if slash when Jalen Wilson gets going, 
whose minutes in the starting lineup does he start to eat into? Because to be honest, especially in today's day and age, being a quote-unquote starter, all that does is ensure that you get a big cheer and a big moment in a video board image for introductions, pregame. That's the benefits of a starter. The minutes can go to whomever the coach wants, right? You can get starters minutes, and you don't necessarily have to be a quote-unquote starter. Because as of right now, I think the starting lineup is good. I think this is this is the starting lineup. Harris, Martin, Abaji, Dave McCormack, Brown. Christian Brown has really come into form. Ocha Abaji, I believe, is leading the country in scoring once again. McCormack is playing better. He is. There's actually advanced analytics I saw over the course of the week that he's the driving force. When he's on the floor, Kansas's offense and defense is better. Go figure, right? True athlete with size. He can't sit Remy Martin. The potential for an explosion is there, and he's still finding it. He needs to play. He's essentially working things out in real time. And this is probably the controversial one, but I think Dewan Harris starts. Again, just because he starts, it doesn't mean he has to play 25 minutes. But Remy Martin is not a liability, but certainly at the guard position and defensively, he's not the most reliable. So I don't think there's anything wrong with Dewan Harris being out there, taking a bit of the sting out of a team's leading guard, handling the ball, crazy road game, crazy atmosphere, have a true ball handler. And you know what? The guy even hit his threes against Missouri. So if he's going to hit those shots, then hell, this whole segment of Jalen Wilson doesn't matter because Dewan Harris is everything the team would need if he's hitting those threes. But I'm not going to rely on that. Or I'm, even, I'm not going to say that's a sure thing until we see more of it as the season goes on. So keep that in mind. Go watch some Lamar Odom highlights from 2011 when he won the award. Let me know your thoughts. Again, maybe he doesn't have to create a fragrance with Chloe. Unbreakable. But I, I think the role is pretty, pretty clearly defined for Jalen Wilson. Point forward, off the bench, bring energy when that second unit comes in. Oh, by the way, and speaking of seven of uh, second units, I talked about last week, like the most interesting thing probably wasn't going to be the result. Like Mizzou sucked, and they do. They were atrocious. But it was going to be how seriously Bill Self was going to take this. And I think we learned a little something about Kansas and their rotation. Because Bill Self took this game seriously, and he really tightened up the team's rotation. I mean, look at the minutes disparity. Only seven players were in double figures in terms of minutes played. One of them, not Joseph Yesifu. It was the starting five that I just said, and then Lightfoot and Wilson. Bill Self tightened the rotation. He cared about the game. He went with the guys that he trusted. And then Yesifu came in essentially in garbage time. 
How about that? And what a scary fall that was for Joseph Yesifu, right? Going for that dunk. Whew. That's a that's a blooper reel moment if I've ever seen one. But next time someone tells you, oh my God, this team is so deep. Oh, the depth on this team. Depth isn't everything, especially for Bill Self. Bill Self wants a good, probably he'd feel great with a nice eight-man rotation. He doesn't need depth. He just needs guys. He's, he needs guys that he trusts, and that's been the case forever. It's good to have depth, and iron sharpens iron, as I've said. Like, you need the competition in practice, uh, but when it comes down to nut-cutting time, he doesn't care if he has 10 quality players. Not at all. That's what I learned, actually, the most out of that Missouri game. But I digress. I was talking about Wilson. I was talking about Odom. Let me know your thoughts. I don't think it's a stretch. It may not be that crazy of a statement because, like I mentioned, positionless basketball, not having a true guard bring the ball to court is not that big of a deal. It's not like earth-shattering that I'm saying this right now. But I've seen the similarities. And when Jalen Wilson is out there, he's not doing much. But I see what he's trying to do. And I thought he was really forcing it against Missouri, was Wilson. Three of six, seven points, four rebounds. I thought Wilson was shooting early and often when he was in the game. And once the game was sort of in hand and he knew who was going to win, and the only question was the margin, it sort of felt to me like Jalen Wilson was taking the opportunity to say, this is a game situation. This is a chance for me to really hone in and lock in and get that shot right. And I'm not sure if it worked, at least against Missouri. All right, let me know, let me know your thoughts. You probably won't, but it's all good. I quickly want to turn to the rankings. I want to do a little rankings panic or at least be like, what's the deal? What's the bad juju against Kansas? I know it was a bad loss to Dayton, but here's the thing about Dayton. Dayton had some really bad L's on their schedule leading, leading up to the game against Kansas. Excuse me. They lost to Austin P. Let's go P. They lost to, I think that's, I don't even know what team that is. UMass. <laughs> UMass Lowell, the Riverhawks. But here's the thing. They went down to Orlando. They beat Miami handily. They beat Kansas, of course. They beat Belmont to win that tournament. They won a tournament. Then they had some whatever games. I believe that's Alcorn State. Alabama State, even worse. Then they beat Northern Illinois. Lost to SMU, but they did just beat Virginia Tech as well. Dayton is on one. And that loss is not looking as terrible anymore. So as I look up and down the nation, like, this is going to be one of those years because I watched Alabama against Memphis a couple nights ago and they got obliterated by a Memphis team that had no identity and a coach that through a year and almost half in Penny Hardaway was showing that he didn't really know how to co coach in the college ranks. Great recruiter, bringing in a lot of talent. But Penny hadn't done anything. And then in front of a packed house at the FedEx Forum in Memphis, he actually sat down his talented freshman for the most part 
and Memphis destroyed Alabama. And this was the team in Alabama that was ranked sixth. We've seen Gonzaga take a couple losses. We saw Duke lose. The only team that's really flying high is Baylor. And what a performance they put on against Villanova. Good Lord. Holding them to what? 38 points? I'm not even exaggerating. 36 points. I gave them two points. (laughs) You're welcome, Villanova. (laughs) Trying to do you a solid there. So I think for whatever reason, Kansas is smudged a bit in the viewpoints of the national landscape, but it doesn't matter, right? This is sort of a nothing segment in the sense that there's a lot of big wins for Kansas on the horizon. And by that, I mean, in, of course, conference play. Texas, Baylor, Iowa State now is a tough team. So the wins and the quality wins will be there for Kansas, and it's going to be starting pretty soon. These are the last three non-conference games of the season. Stephen F. Austin at Colorado and then at home against Harvard. This is that game against Harvard is going to be really interesting. Harvard doesn't often go up against competition that's there in the same mental capacity as them. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then right there, January 1st, Big 12 play is going to start. Whoo, boy. It's going to be tough. Iowa State's up to number 11 now. Good Lord. So I don't want to, I don't want to cause a fervor. But Kansas does have a bit of a smudge. I want to keep, I want to put the seed, I want to plant these nefarious seeds in your mind as we get closer to March. And I think resumes are going to start getting compared. It's going to be Kansas versus UCLA versus Gonzaga versus Purdue and Duke, right? That's, that's going to be your mix for, for one seeds. Texas, of course, and Baylor. And I think that Dayton loss is really going to be held to Kansas's fire. To be fair, as of right now, KU doesn't have a quality win on their on their schedule that they've that they've actually played. Michigan State, mediocre. Missouri, awful. St. John's, whatever. So it's all going to come in conference play, but the opportunities will be there. There'll be games with a lot of eyeballs on those games, specifically the Baylor games. And Kansas will either sink or they're going to fly. The opportunity is in front of them. Simple as that. But the next opportunity for the time being is the Lumberjacks out of Stephen freaking Austin. Yeah, the F stands for something else. And this is a family program. It doesn't actually. I don't know what the F stands for. But the Lumberjacks are here. Formerly coached by Brad Underwood who's now at Illinois. Not really apropos to the game tomorrow, but that's okay. The player you need to look out for is Gavin Kensmeal. Leads the team in both points and rebounds. If you're worried about the best player on Stephen F. Austin being also three points mar- three-point marksman, that's not the case in this situation. His three-point percentage for the season is a good old zero. He's 0 for 3. Traditional big man. He's a forward. He'll be down in the post. And if you foul him, not great from the free throw line either. 60%, 61%. Now, 
Stephen F. Austin does have some pretty robust three-point shooters, or at least three-point numbers on their team. But when you look at the initial percentages, it's somewhat okay. For example, there's a player shooting 44% from three. He's only played in three games. You've got a guy shooting 67% from three, but he's a forward who's only attempted, I think it was six. Yeah, he's only shot three pointer, six three-pointers all year, made four of them. Good for you. The guys, in terms of three-pointers being shot that you truly need to look out for are David Cashelries. Guys actually shot a few. And then the number that I really wanted to, or sorry, the player I really wanted to bring up, Latrell Jossel. Who's that guy? You may remember the name from last year. Transferred from Kansas to Stephen F. Austin. And I'm trying to think of that line from Thanos right in the Avengers. All it did was bring him back to Bill Self. You come back to me. Jossel has now played in more games as a Lumberjack than he has as a Jayhawk. 11 games played for Stephen F. Austin, 10 games all of last year for KU. And you know what? He's shooting pretty well from three-point range. So look out, I guess, for the revenge game from Latrell. As he is shooting 43% from beyond the arc, and he takes a good amount per game. We shall see, right? It would have been really interesting to see like Bobby Pettiford versus Latrell Jossel, like what could have been versus the guy that Bill Self decided to go with. But Pettiford has the, the abdomen injury and maybe next year. So keep an eye on Latrell. I hope he does well for himself. Maybe not necessarily tomorrow or in the game Saturday. Kansas is a heavy favorite. ESPN puts them at a 98% to win the game. So it could happen. Uh, the Missouri game, I have no thoughts. Missouri is terrible. It was great to see the passion. Uh, I think you could actually really see the difference. First and foremost, the difference in rosters. Kansas was just better. Missouri, some of those three-point shots, my God, barely even drew iron. But the other thing is, is Kansas had a coach who was there in 2012, felt the emotion, has had to go to Columbia, face the music from the Antlers. And on the other side was a fifth-year head coach who entered when Mizzou was already in the SEC, knew about the rivalry and name only, but didn't really experience it. And I thought the care level was just on a different level from Kansas. So when you put the effort combined with the enormous gap in talent, you got that result against Missouri. And real quickly, I want to go back on a point I made last week in that I don't love the idea of Kansas playing this game because it's a big opportunity for Mizzou to look at recruits and say, huh? You want to play in a great environment like this? Get national eyeballs? I think it may have been more of a detriment to Missouri as if to say, you want to play for this? What a mess. No, I think I'll take my talents else, elsewhere. So maybe it'll work that way. Kwanzaa Martin probably is not long for Missouri. I mean, 
you can't show up to a rivalry. I know we were expecting it, but that may have been worse than we could have even imagined. So, as always, Mizzou, you suck. You're back to being irrelevant. You had your moment and you didn't take it. Kansas moves on. An opportunity here against Latrell Jossel and Stephen S- Stephen F. Austin. I hope you have a great holiday season. This time next week, from when I'm speaking, it'll be Christmas Eve. Mm-mm-mm. Get those cookies ready. Get the brandy out. Get some ham. I don't know what Christmas food is. Cookies. Marshmallows. Chestnuts roasting open over an open flame. I'm getting hungry. I'm going to sign off. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. It's crazy out there right now. But as always. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.